Okay, we're here guys, we're live. This is my very first official Darlin' Bonnie's Girl Talk Guidebook. I have a little smooth jazz playing in the background. I don't know if you can hear it. I'm gonna turn it up a little bit. Um, because I love backdrop music, you know, it just gives everything a very, um, a very chill vibe. So I had a blank out moment there. It's like the, this may be TMI for some people, but this is how I speak. This is the fourth day of my cycle. And I don't know, um, who else has this experience, but well, I know my sister does, but like, um, when you get period brain and like your mind just has like this brain fog. No, that's a real thing because on my app, on my watch or my phone, like one of the symptoms is like brain fog when you have to like write down all the little things that you, I know a lot of people are like, I'm finished here now. <laughs> click off, click off. <laughs> but I'm having that kind of a moment where it's like brain foggy because, um, it's the fourth day of a very intense cycle. So anyway. Here we are live. It's the first day of, or the first installment of the Girl Talk Guidebook, which is very raw right now, and it's still being developed, so excuse its um, kind of unpolished form. I'm just figuring this thing out and how I would like to do it because, of course, by nature, like, I can't do everything how everyone else is doing it. Not because, like, I'm so anti or just trying to rebel but because it just doesn't feel resonant with me. And to be fair and to be 100% honest, I was actually doing something like this long before like podcasting had become a really big thing. I used to do these things called um, Vibe Diaries where I would record myself speaking aloud. And I had a concept actually a few years ago. I wanna say it was like 2016 where I was like, I should do these, like, you know, put these out. Um, it was really just conversations between me and God, you know, and I was like, but it was some good stuff in there dropping some real gems and really channeling big energy. And so I was like, okay, I, I, I may do that. And then I never did it. It kind of was reminiscent of, I don't know if anyone here knows who Miriam Hasna is. If you don't, you should look her up on Instagram, um, and Twitter. Um, but she used to do these things on SoundCloud actually called vocal transmissions or I don't know if she called them vocal transmissions I think she just called them transmissions where she would just like read all of her downloads of like the energy that she was um receiving at that or the downloads that she was receiving about the collective energy at that time and so I had my own version of it and she was the only other person that I saw or heard who had anything similar but anyway here we are so sometimes it'll be me and myself and I which is a whole party um, but other times you know there may actually be a phone call in process with me and various members of the darling society and or they'll actually be live with me so you know just stay tuned we're gonna unwrap it all and and roll it all out and see how it goes so okay a few things that I wanted to touch on um, I don't want this to be too, too long because I can be very verbose and this can be very drawn out <laughs> and I don't want to be saying a whole lot of lasagna. And if you are not familiar with my lingo and I've never done like a um, glossary, a legitimate glossary on lasagna, but lasagna is a term that I use when I'm saying like, I don't want to be talking about nothing. And the way that this term came about was a long, long time ago, 2007 or eight. Nope, I think it was 2006. And 
it was actually invented at the beginning at 1212 Broadway. And someone was talking to me one day. Um, this this girl was talking to me and she was saying all of this shit, okay? And after the conversation was over, um, Samaya and Angelique or Canary were like, what was she saying? Like, what was she talking about? I was like, I don't know, Cassie, Aaliyah, lasagna. And so from there, like lasagna became a thing where we would say like when somebody is talking about nothing or even when you're talking about nothing, it was like, oh shit, she was just talking about a whole bunch of lasagna, you know, or I was talking a whole lot of lasagna or he called me talking la 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 lasagna, you know? So I say that when like, I'm referencing talking about nothing in particular, nothing very important, maybe a lot of minutia, maybe a lot of like just unnecessary uh, words that really don't need to be said. Or sometimes they do need to be said, but you just kind of get off on a tangent. And I do that. <laughs> I'll just keep going and going and going. So anyway, um, what I want to discuss here, if you've come here from um, my latest guidebook installation, which is called um, Meltdowns and Major Comebacks, then you probably already have some idea of what I'm going to discuss here. And if you didn't, if you just came here by way of, I don't know, chance or I don't know how you got routed here, welcome. <laughs> check out the guidebook post and also um, check out everything else in Darlin' Bonnie Land Digital. Now, here's the thing. Everything that I'm doing right now is still technically considered um, an off-season interlude. And I'll have show notes that go with this whole post that'll give you like some indication of like what everything is. I'll do a little DBX co-glossary for, or Darling Society Lifestyle Glossary about um, lasagna. And then I'll also post the one about what an off-season interlude is and also what on and off-seasons are. I am in the process of a very, very, very prolonged off-season that I've been in. Technically, I guess you can say for five years now, right? Since 2017. And it's really difficult because this off season came in, in like increments. It wasn't all at once and it wasn't, um, planned and it wasn't, um, something that happened in one fell swoop. So here's what happened. I'm going to kind of lay it out just so we can get it out there because combined and in technicality, you can say that I've been in an off season for seven years, right? Because the last time I did a major show, I've done small shows. I haven't done a, a show period in five years. Haven't been on a stage or in, in front of over a mic in front of a crowd in five years, but I also haven't been on a major stage in seven years. And so this is what happened. In 2014, um, things really started to take a turn where I split with George, who was my primary manager, and I kind of had a management team, which was George and Mark. Mark is still around. He works in a managerial capacity and also just as like my consigliere and the fairy godfather that I never asked for, but I'm glad to have, and he's going to probably keep this little segment forever to say you said this because we give each other a hard time all the time and I'm like why are you still why are you still calling me <laughs> but he is um he is a very uh strong figure in my life and in my whole process of 
pretty much pretty much everything, which is special and important because my biological father passed when I was five and the stepfather who raised me actually passed in 2019, which is all a part of my whole prolonged off season. But even pre my stepdad passing, Mark had become a part of my um, journey in life. And he has certainly been, like, hands down, a really great fairy godfather. Like, that's the only way that I can explain or describe him. Like, I can't even say management or, you know, a friend or, what you know, whatever kind of weird terms people... Like, it's, it really is like a fairy godfather. And, and that's special and important, too, because, you know, Mark is an older gentleman. And older men can be creepy as fuck, especially with younger women and I've never had that experience with Mark not once he's never been anything less than a fatherly like gentleman with me and it has been very special very important and very significant because I have had some very um very very scary and traumatizing things happen in the last seven years with older men and it is just very comforting and reassuring to know that like not all older men are complete fucking creeps period so there's that (laughs) um so moving on um what was I talking about I kind of got off track I kind of got off track there that was my shout out to Mark he deserves it he definitely deserves it uh and he's been down from the beginning oh so 2014 George and I split and it was kind of just that the the relationship between George and I had hit an expiration date and it's time had worn itself out. And I think we just were going in different ways and a lot of other things that just don't need to be stated here. Cause some, cause George will always be family to me. And then there's just some family business that you don't need to air out publicly. So the bottom line is that we just went our separate ways and a lot of things changed from there because George, let me tell you something about George. He shouldn't have been, in a managerial capacity in my experience, but he certainly should have been in my experience, period, because he is an asset to any team that he's a part of. George has the capacity and the ability to do things that are almost uh, divine magic or divinely orchestrated or definitely divinely orchestrated that other people don't have the capacity to do. He can walk into a room and meet the person that you need to meet just by sheer luck if you, if if you believe in luck or, you know, just by sheer divine design. And he has the capacity to um, connect things that um, otherwise may have gone unconnected. So he's an asset. He is definitely someone that I value as a person because he was such a quality and is such a quality person still, I'm sure. Um, Did we have mishaps and mistakes? Did we bump heads? Did we fail to get along at times. Absolutely. That's, you know, that that's family. But at the end of the day, am I sad and or sorry that we had, um, a time together building Darlin' Bonnie land and all things, high class hip hop, high street culture, hashtag society, things, etc. No, I'm absolutely happy that George was a part of the experience. And, you know, in the future, if there was ever an opportunity for us to come back together in some way, not in a managerial way, but for him to be a part of the experience further, I wouldn't be opposed to it. However, we split and I started doing um, more small scale things. I mean, I was still booking like a few big shows here and there, but a lot of small scale things because I'm going to be honest, George netted a lot of the big shows. He absolutely did. 
And so um, things just kind of started to naturally slow down. Mark and I got Love Story, which was the single that we were pushing at that time, 2014, the end of 2014. Mark and I got it very little radio play and very small markets. Um, thanks to Latour Jr. or the second. I don't know if he goes by Jr. or the second. Latour 2, L2 or something like that. I remember him telling us that was his name when we first met him, when I first met him back in like 2011. I haven't spoken to Latour in years, but I hope he's well. Um, and anyways, so we did it and we, you know, we just didn't have the financial um, superpower at that point to keep going and pushing it further. And so it kind of just dwindled. Um, and then 2015, you know, I was doing Darlin' Bonnie's Social Diary. I was hosting events. I was doing small scale shows, a couple big shows here and there. Cause I think I did, um, Black Fest, the second Black Fest that year, which was actually a smaller scale Black Fest than I did the year before. I did the one with, in 2014 with Ty Dolla Sign, Seven Streeter, Adrian Marcel. And I don't, I can't remember who else was there. And then 2015. 15, I did the one with um, Jadena, who was a Stanford alumni. Blackfest is Stanford's um, festival. So anyway, yeah, things kind of just started to shift and dwindle there. And then personally, I was going through some very, very um, intense changes. I had been involved with one person for nine years off and on. And we had hit our end and we hit it in a very hardcore way. <laughs> it was, I mean, my chest is getting palpitations right now. Just thinking about it, it was very intense and it was very, um, it was very, I guess, I don't know if I want to use the word traumatizing, but it was definitely altering and very jarring. And it definitely took me out of myself for a minute because I think, you know, a person is a part of your world and your experience for so long and you have visions of a timeline, a specific timeline with you and this individual, and you can not imagine your life without that timeline coming into fruition. And you also can't imagine your world without that person's energy being a constant. That is very jarring, especially, you know, nine years. And we had been involved for nine years, but we'd known each other longer than that. So this is a person who was like deeply ingrained and and entwined in my world and so to lose them and have to sever ties and especially sever ties for the reasons and in the ways that we did was just heartbreaking I mean I don't think I'd ever really it was the thing that let me know that I was really in love which is so corn I hate saying stuff like that like I hate that that kind of terminology but it is the fact of the matter and it's also the thing that let me know that like um, how people can really get sick when they are experiencing heartbreak. Like it's a very physical, very mental, very emotional and very spiritual experience. So when it's touching every body of your existence, right? And I mean every, your mental body, your spiritual body, your emotional body, your mental body, that is very disorienting. And it also is very shape-shifting. So I was living through that. And I mean, nine years is a long time. And so you can't just, I wanted it to be an easy bounce back. I wanted to be like, okay, I mean, I kind of saw this coming and I didn't. I, I saw it coming and didn't want to admit it, right? I kept trying to gun for the higher timeline where it was like, oh no, this is going to work. Oh no, this is going to come together. 
even though it was, you know, falling apart before my very eyes. Um, and so when I had been met with the moment of actual demise, I was like, oh, fuck, like, this is, this is not good. And I was very devastated. I was devastated. And it took a lot to get me out of that space. And shout out to all the people who were there for me. But also, most of all, shout out to God, because I couldn't have made it. I could not. I'm not even kidding. I could not have made it without God. Um, so that was a major shift. And then in the end of 2015, my grandma unexpectedly, uh, unbeknownst to me anyway, had gotten really very sick, unbeknownst to all of us in my family. And my grandma wasn't very old and we were very, very, very close. I mean, like we would talk on the phone like homegirls for two and three hours <laughs> at a time, you know, for various days in the week. And so um, once she gotten sick, life pretty much took a turn anyway, in and of itself. And so I just, listen, I was just in a space. It was like all of the walls were starting to come down and it, and they just continued to come down. And so um, musically, things weren't shaping up the way I wanted them to. I was very frustrated. I had hit a wall. So I did temporarily type, attempt to disengage. I was like, okay, this is finished. Like we're not, this is not happening. Maybe I should just focus on creating, you know, um, content. And so I opened dbxco.club online which was an editorial site and it lasted six months. And because what I was doing was, I mean, I faced burnout fast because what I was doing was like, essentially it was one me doing things that would take a three, four five person team. And also like, it just wasn't something that was sustainable and wasn't built to last. And also there is no world in which there is a darling Bonnie without music. That just does not happen. And I tried to make it happen because I was suffering through so many things, like I just couldn't take another thing on that was just too difficult for me. So what I ended up doing was like going dark. That's when my that's when I really went offline. You know, like I also let me rewind because I'd done something very significant too in twenty at the sometime in twenty fifteen where I or maybe it was twenty sixteen. Um. I'm sorry, I have to take a pause moment of reflection. I can't remember. But no, 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 it was 2015. And I know because I took a screenshot of it. I deleted my original Instagram. And I had a healthy, you know, and sizable following, sizable enough that would be way larger today. And I know that that's important to a lot of people. Um, And I know at that time, now I feel very differently. But at that time, I was very attached to everything I was doing. And so me burning down my world meant burning down everything. And Instagram was such a central figure in my experience that to disengage from it was essentially to disengage from the world. And so I deleted my Instagram, which was a big deal at that time. Okay. Because this is pre, this is pre, um, temporarily temporarily disabled and so I remember people calling me like are you okay like I couldn't find you on Instagram and I'm like oh yeah no I'm not there <laughs> that's why and they were like what like everyone was like what are you doing and I was like well 
I had to do, you know, like it was a thing that I did agonize over. And this sounds so fucking stupid. Like this shouldn't even be as big of a deal. And now for me today, I'll erase an Instagram and no, with no hesitation. If I feel like it's not providing something conducive or healthy to my world, but this is the problem. And this is why I entered into that space because I had two Instagram accounts at that time, one for Darling Bonnie, one for the Darling Society. And the Darling Society Instagram had a different following, like the people that I followed and the people who followed me. And it felt healthier, I guess I'll say that, healthier, more high vibrational. The things that were happening on the Darling Bonnie account, I couldn't stand. And I'm this is no shade to anyone, but there's just, I'm gonna keep it real. Like a lot of shit I don't care to see. I don't wanna see a lot of things that are not feeding to me inspiration. I don't want to see things that are not contributing to me evolving, shape-shifting, and finding a better way. It's okay, Coco. There's nobody here. You're okay, honey. Lay down. I'm talking to my dog. Oh, Lord. He hears something, and now he's off to the races. Once he starts barking, child, let me tell you. He's a small dog. He's 25 pounds. He's... um miniature pincher mixed with um Cerneco. and the thing is he has the bark of a grown man like he has this very adult huge dog bark and in this small little body and people are always so taken aback by it. they're like oh my god your dog sounds so vicious it's like he's really not though he's very loving he's just he could just be very aggressive I guess he's just like me and so and so you know I'm trying to teach him calm but anyway um yeah, there was just like a lot of shit that I just didn't want to see. A lot of things that I felt like weren't contributing anything worthwhile to my experience. And I felt like everything was just slightly off. I felt like I wasn't properly aligned. I felt like I wasn't living in the space that was going to reap the kind of results that I should be living in. It wasn't going to develop a world where I felt at peace, at home, and as if I was being 1000% authentic and true to myself. It felt like I was being... Um, I was like fragmented still. And, you know, proof of that is that I had two different accounts with two different vibrations. And so I needed to get everything on one accord. And I didn't even really fully understand that at that time. I just knew that I felt a supreme dis-ease with what was happening. And so I was like, this has to end. So I eliminated it. I like toiled over it for a few days. And then I was like, it has to go. I have to do it. Because if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And I'll be stuck in this experience forever. And my mind is very hyperactive and it's very dramatic. And so something that may seem like minute and small can have this very large micro, um, this microscopic thing can have this very macro effect and be magnetized to look extreme in my mind. And maybe it's some kind of mental health disorder. I don't know. We're all suffering some kind of mental health disorder, and that's just fair. And some of us are better with coping at it. Some of us are better with pushing through it. And some of us don't have that ability, which is why we have to be sensitive and compassionate toward everyone because everybody is experiencing something. Don't take no shit off nobody for sure, but also be aware and respect the fact that everybody is growing through their own thing and everybody is growing through their own process and everybody has their own experience and issues and and gifts and so don't discount dismiss or you know um discard anyone thinking you have an upper hand or we're better or even that you're worse we're all doing the best we can or we should be so anyway i said this has to go and once i did that that was like the official okay 
this this is done because there was no take backs at that time. It was like there was no getting back. And then I did enter into a period in which I relaunched an Instagram account. It was like XO Darling Bonnie or something. And then I let that go because let me tell you what happened. I had Facebook still at that time and I'm going to be very 100% authentic about Facebook. I hated Facebook from the beginning. I never liked it. Not once in my life did I like Facebook. I got Facebook for the first time in 2009 and I had it for maybe one month and then I deleted it because I thought it was just not for me. So then when I moved to LA um, and Priscilla was like, um, Priscilla is my god sister, my little sister. Um, you may know her on, I don't know what her Instagram account is because I don't even follow a lot of people that I know right now. And a lot of people that I know have no idea that I even have an Instagram account right now. And there are like very few people who I've legit, like I, I think the only person that I've legitimately told out of my mouth like that I have Instagram account are two people, my auntie Kat and Simone. Oh no, Karan and Hazel. Or did I tell them or did they just find me through Simone? I don't know, but I really haven't like verbally told anyone. Because also too, there were a lot of things that, that have been in development and under wraps. And so like, I was like, you know, building things up with this Instagram account. And when the time was right, then I'd be like, okay, here I am. This is where you can find me. But anyway, this is how much Instagram has become such a central figure in our lives these days, especially someone like me who, you know, creates for a living and utilizes Instagram to interact with the world and has Instagram as a part of her digital sphere. But anyway, because it's a portal. It's a portal into your world. You know, each person, this is a DBX Co. super glossy theory. Each person is a portal to another reality in and of itself, period. Some people's realities are fucking boring. Some people's realities are fake and they're on a tertiary timeline. Some people's realities are, you know, replicas of whatever they've grown up in, whatever. And some people just have these very special, unique realities that um, are full of magic and, and divinity. That's me. <laughs> um, no, but every person is a portal to another reality. And Instagram is a portal to that world, right? It allows you to jump through and look into their worlds. Each person you meet, though, is another reality walking around. But anyway, I disengaged, I took it offline and I was like, all right, that's it. And so, um, this is, this is the second account at this point. And that was like 2016. So from 2016 to 2017, um, the end of 2016, I think, or am I, or am I lying? You know, no, no. No, I think I might be lying, you guys. Well, anyway, there was a point between 2016 and 2017 where I had no social media. Or 2016 to, no, 2017 to 2018, where I had no social media. Oh, I'm going back to Facebook. I'm all over the place today. The bottom line is I hated Facebook. I've always hated Facebook. And I got on Facebook when I moved to LA because Priscilla suggested it. And she said, this is how you can reach, you know, we can reach more people. I can share stuff on my page, da, da, da. Misty can share on hers, you, blah, blah, blah. So we did this. And as a result, there were a lot of people that found me and God bless all of these people. But I was overrun with things, like a lot of energy, like that I just wasn't a fan of. As a result, like when I said about my second Instagram account, oh, I've quietly had an Instagram account for this long. 
droves of people started following me and a lot of these people expected to be followed back, some of whom I was related to and I didn't want that. That's not what I was looking for, looking to do. I was looking to create a specific experience and I just wasn't finding that I was capable of doing that with all of this being slammed and jammed with all this energy from the past. And so I needed more distance and space and time away from everything to strengthen my vibration and to assess how I wanted to move and to assess how to better align myself and how to better and properly present my world in a way that didn't allow for me to be overtaken by whatever was popular, whatever was the way, you know? And so um, in 2017, I kind of just went offline altogether. And then I quietly, very, very, very quietly, and I mean very few people know about this, came back online in 2018. And during that time, at the end of 2017, what a lot of people don't know, and some people do, is that in the end of 2017, I was taking care of my grandmother, which was something that happened very unintentionally. I mean, God always has a way. My grandma got very sick very fast. She had dementia, but then she also started having like some organ failure. It happened like literally in the blink of an eye. And... We had an in-house caregiver that didn't work out. And so her primary care ended up falling on me. And so me, my mom, my auntie Connie, and my cousin Jamaria were her primary caregivers. But it was me 24-7. Like, I was everyone else's backup. I didn't have backup. It was just me, right? And so um, I was taking care of her from 20, I want to say... November of 2017 until she passed in May of 2018 and I was offline pretty much that whole time I very quietly had um, an Instagram account and very 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 few people knew about it and very very few people even saw me at that time like it was wild because I was living in a space where I was secluded from the world you know, in the California countryside, just taking care of my grandma and trying to rehabilitate myself creatively, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, whilst also dealing with this thing that was very, very heavy, which is literally watching her die. And so I was sitting in the room with her, me, my cousin Liana, um, our, when you're because she ended up being on hospice. And when you're on hospice through Kaiser anyway, you get a social worker. I can't remember what our social worker's name was, but she was so sweet. I loved her. And our hospice nurse, Sarija, oh my gosh, she was incredible. We adored her. She was incredible. And we really, we still miss her. She was like, I'm gonna miss you guys. We're gonna miss you too, Sarija. Um, but anyway, so I was sitting in the room with her and I used to play, like make these little playlists for her and like play all this music because music and humor were the two things that she can remember at the end. Like she would forget everything else. She wouldn't respond to a lot of things. But if we'd watch a movie or a television show and something funny would happen, she would laugh. And I mean, really laugh. And when music would come on, she would still bob her head and whatever. And so she responded to those things. And so... um I would play like little playlists for and Stevie Wonder's ass came on and she and and she went 
And it was like, it was so like emotional, obviously, very powerful and also supremely, um, oh God, the term is evading me. It was supremely telling, I guess, that that would be the, the song that she, you know, drifts, that she takes her final breath to as, which Stevie Wonder says in that song, like, I'll be loving you always. And it just felt like she was leaving us with, with something, you know, like this is her, this is her party message drops mic, right? It was, it was a, it was a moment. It was, it was for sure a moment. And so, um, again, you assume, you know, once this person passes, your bounce back will be better because, you know, it's kind of a relief. You don't have to watch them suffer anymore, but it was difficult. It was difficult. There were a lot of things to contend with. There were a lot of things that we as a family had started to like really recognize and realize and come to a head with about mental health and the spiritual and emotional well-being of our family and how things had been for my mother and her sisters and her brother and how it had been for us. And like, there was just a reckoning. There was just a, a, a complete reckoning and it felt like we were in a zero point field and our world, our world was being reset. And so there were a lot of big, heavy conversations that were had. Um, I think I had a conversation, I don't think I know, with every one of my mother's sisters about everything from A to Z, all of the big shit, the heavy shit in terms of like how my sister and my cousins and I grew up and how my mom and her sisters had grown up. Because there's four of them, four main ones, you know, my mom and her three sisters and their brother. And then me and my sister and our cousins, Liana and Jamaria, the four of us grew up bound together. And so one month before my grandmother passed, my mom's only brother died. Suddenly he had a heart attack. And so we were dealing with that still. It was just a wild time. And so my mom and my stepfather, who were married from the time I was three until up until my early 20s. Um, so they were married for 20 some odd years. And then they divorced and my mom married this fucking creep. And then she divorced this creep and her and my stepdad kind of started to come back together. They weren't in a relationship, but we, our family had come back together. My stepdad would come and, you know, sleep over at her house. He would sleep in the guest room, obviously. But still, it was like we were all trying to get back to a normal, right, or a new normal. But he was very ill and he ended up dying in July of 20... Well, first of all, July of 2018, he went into... Uh, cardiac cardiac arrest and then they revived him and he was like oh my god I died I died he couldn't let it go and then he came back and we had him for one more year and he passed in July of 2019 and that was heavy and so like the period of 2018 to 2019 I mean because let me tell you something those were the two most major deaths in my family for me anyway and for like everyone that's really close to me but they weren't by far the only deaths there were at least let's see Lonnie Uncle Harry Clara, like four or five other deaths nope yeah maybe five to seven other deaths right in that time mind you I said my uncle passed and my uncle was close enough to us but not as not very very close not as close as my mom and her sisters because he always did his own thing but he was always still a figure that was around and so 
Um, yeah, it was like a lot of deaths, a lot of endings, a lot of goodbyes, a lot of cleaning out houses, a lot of going to get death certificates, a lot of, you know, memorial services and ashes and a lot of that. And so at the same time, felt like, you know, we were all living through a death and a rebirth and who would we be in this new world? Right. And so in 2020, we hit a shift and it was interesting that we were hitting a shift during the time of a global pandemic. And I sheltered through the pandemic with my mom and my brother and it was beautiful. And we felt so blessed and fortunate. My mom bought a new house during that time and she um, joined a new firm because she wasn't ready to retire. And so she was like, I think I just want to, you know, give it one more go. And so she joined a bigger firm again. She hadn't worked at a big, big firm since her days at O'Melveny and Myers, which is where she worked my entire, from the time I was like two until the time I was in my 20s, early 20s, early 20s, like 21 maybe. Anyway, um, yeah, so she, you know, everyone's life was kind of shifting and I was finding new ground and my little brother was finding new ground and all these things. My little brother, who's an adult now, um, my sister, you know, bought a house. She was finding new ground. And so everybody was kind of like shape shifting in their own way. And so here I am today. Right. And so I think I want to just leave that there because I talked far longer than I expected to about that and how funny that I'm on this record right now in the smooth jazz playlist called Evolution Revolution. No, no, no. The record is called Nutcrackers. The album is called Evolution Revolution by the Headhunters. Anyway, um, let us move on. That, that has to do with the meltdown of my world. And during that whole time, there was a reshaping going on. I was never not working to rebuild my world. I'll even post pictures, I guess, in the show notes that'll detail it. But dating back as far as like 2015, I started covering walls with like all of these plans and all of these, you know, inner workings, trying to get the blueprint and trying to get the right formatting for my world and my life inside and out. And so that continued for a while. And then, you know, taking steps to actually put things in place and implement things. And I'm not just talking about things creatively or, you know, um, professionally, quote unquote, but also just personally, you know, how I interact with others, how I interact with myself, all of these things. I just felt like there were like a lot of massive changes that needed to happen. And I had been awakened to them all through the process of all this death and all this rebirth, dating back to even um, the death of that significant relationship. And that year, there were actually two significant deaths that happened um, in 2015. One was my cousin, Billy, who passed, um, I wanna say July the 4th of 2015, which is actually, is that a day after or a day before his birthday? A day after his birthday. And he had been sick for a long time. He had sickle cell leukemia and, or sickle cell leukemia, sickle cell anemia. Where is it leukemia or anemia? Wait, what am I saying? He had sickle cell. That's it, okay? And, and he passed. And he lived far longer than he was supposed to. He lived years and years beyond his expectation date, his expiration date that the doctors gave because when God says something otherwise, medicine don't, can't match up, right? 
Um, anyway, or science or test or someone, a person's word, whatever. And then also um, someone who had been um, a figure in my childhood world or my teenage world was murdered. And so that kind of like shifted. Everything just started to feel kind of tense, you know? And so um, that that was the beginning of, of a lot of massive shifts. But anyway, so yeah, my world melted down and now it's been reshaped into something far better, far greater, far healthier because you have to take these changes in stride, you know? You can't allow these things to take the life out of you but rather put new life into you, new meaning, new definition, new purpose. And you can't allow these things either to hamper your view of life in the world because death is a natural part of life, period. And things change and things fall apart and things come together and people break up and people find new people and whatever and life grows on. But you have to grow with it and you have to be willing to meet your evolution halfway at least, you know, and say, look, I may not be in the best shape right now, but I'm willing to do the work, right? And so, yeah, I had to check myself in a lot of ways. I had to take accountability for a lot of things because I was also someone that was very spoiled, very entitled, very um, reckless in a lot of ways. Like, I'm an emotional person. I'm highly sensitive, and I'm an emotional person. It has to do, I guess you could say, with my sun sign, which is a water sign, and it also just has to do with my in internal makeup. So forever, for as long as I've been alive, I've had episodes, so to speak. But when I was younger, these episodes would just be episodes and I would like be go out and get out of control, rage, and then, you know, move on. But now I've learned that these moments are breakthrough by way of breakdown and that I have to, um, number one, center and control myself and number two, get the message, right? Get the message. Why is this happening? What is the point in this? You know, what is this? teaching me what is this showing me you know how do I grow through this moment and now when I have these breakthrough by way of breakdown moments they're not as frequent as they used to be their intensity has not waned though but they don't have the ability to overpower me the way they used to because now I can meet them right heads up and say okay let's let's do it and so um in the guidebook post, when I talk about that, you know, yeah, I'll scream, I'll cringe, I'll gasp, you know, whatever, and then I'll let it go and I have to like flow through life. And sometimes these things can be triggered by something outside of myself, or they could just be a bad thought has run into my ship, a float in the water <laughs> inside of myself, and I feel like, oh shit, okay, hold on. So I have to collect myself and, and carry on. But that's, that's my process, and that's the thing. You have to learn your process, you have to know your process, and you have to own your process and practice it, right? And nurture it and hone it and continue to grow with it because otherwise we self-destruct, period. I'm not a person who, like I did like abuse alcohol at a time when I was young and just had kind of a um, wild girl mentality, but I've never been a person who was dependent on drugs or alcohol so I've never been destructive in that way, but I can be self-destructive in that I will get very, very reckless. I will 
rip things up, rip things apart, tear down the walls if I have to and not get, and burn it all down and not give a fuck. So I had to learn how to start giving a fuck and using care, period. And so, hi, pal. <laughs> My dog is just staring at me with a bone in his mouth looking so sleepy. Come on, honey, you want to get up here? I'm not going to chase you, Coco. Come on, Kobe, get up. Come on, pal. It's rainy outside. Oh, no, honey. I'm not chasing you. That's what he thought. He thought wrong. Come on. Do you want to get up here or not? I'm not chasing you. Come on. I'll put you up. There you go. Okay. Do you have to come over here where the mic is? Okay. Come on, honey. Come on. Do you want to sit here? What are you going to do? Record? Sit down. Sit down, Kobe. Come on, Coco, sit down. Oh, this dog, you guys. Hey, okay. Go over there, please. Go, go, go. Go, honey. Kobe, step over the cord. Good gravy. Oh, sorry about that. It's just ridiculous. So anyway, yeah, I had to learn how to check myself before I wrecked myself for real and indefinitely you know because these things have the capacity and the ability to run us and control our lives if we don't get a hold of them sit down Kobe you cannot sit over here sit over there thank you so anyway that was that that was that and so yeah, you can have these meltdown moments, but just make sure that you stay alert to the fact that there's a reasoning for it all, unless you're just ridiculous. And if that's the case, then you for sure need to check yourself and say like, all right, I'm just spazzing because I'm entitled or because I, you know, whatever, I'm egotistical or whatever the case may be. We all have to awaken to ourselves because we are all our own superpowers but we could also be our own supervillain the only thing that can stop me is me the only thing that can really strengthen me outside of god is me right and so um i have to always be aware of how i'm nurturing myself how i'm handling myself how i'm holding myself how i'm approaching myself because your relationship with yourself is the basis of all other things, right? So anyway, let's move on to talk about I Got the Power, speaking of relationships with self. This record, okay, let me rewind a little bit. I was invited to submit a proposal for something very specific that requires... Um, a resume and like a deep dive into all of the things that I've done creatively, et cetera, et cetera. And please, you know, fingers crossed it all goes well with this proposal. Um, but anyway, doing it required me to like do a real deep dive into my past. I mean, going all the way back to the very beginning, 2006 with Honey in the Bank. And of course, that timeline 
that narrative, that story, it's never far away. Like I, I talked about it in previously in Darlin' Bonnie Land, but I, t- but I talk about it in a way that is kind of an overview. You know, it's like not really getting deep down in there. I'm not exploring all the records. I'm not, you know, go going over all the moments. It's just a gloss, a glossed overview, right? Here are the moments, you know, here's how it happened. Here's the actual, you know, short version of a timeline. I'm not really existing in a place where I'm meditating on things. I'm not existing in a place where I'm... um spending a lot of time going over things or looking at things that I haven't seen in a month of Sundays. But this situation required that I do just that. And I had to go back in my emails from 20, as far back as I could go, 2011, because I had to find specific dates for things. I had to find specific like flyers that gave me the, you know, details of things. I had to do all of this like background work on myself. And I was freaking out because number one, I didn't even think about all the things that I had done. You know, like when I read all the requirements for what I needed to provide and what was what even made you applicable to or gave you the ability to even submit a proposal, I was like, okay, um, what the fuck, right? I'm like freaking out. Like, why did I get this email, you know? So I'm freaking out. I'm having this like meltdown and I had to collect myself. Now here, this was a meltdown. I mean, it had purpose. I think the purpose in it was to awaken me to the fact that I had been asleep on myself and awaken me to the fact that there were a lot of things that I was kind of blocking out because they weren't perfect or they weren't things that I wanted to remember because they didn't service a specific narrative about, you know, who I want to be as an artist or how I want to do my art. Because also, like, you make things and you move on, especially when you're in the process of just deep growth. You don't want to spend a lot of time meditating over the things that you did early on or how you did them, especially if they weren't to your liking. Like, even my voice changed significantly. I was, like, talking to my little brother a while back and I was, like, playing a lot of old records for him. And I said, you see how much my voice changed? It was like something happened, you know, during the time of me really performing a lot where like my voice changed on its own. I was like, it was like my balls dropped or something. It was gnarly. And so um, there are a lot of things that I made early on where I can't even stand it because I can't stand what my voice sounded like. Right. And I don't think it's not a form of like self-loathing or anything like that, but it's just a cringy part of my past that's like, oh, I hate it so much. You know how like some people see themselves on film or hear themselves on something and they're like, I cannot stand it. Yes, like that. And so um, there are a lot of things that I did that I didn't want to remember. There were a lot of things that I did that I didn't want to sit down, honey. You're okay. You're okay, pal. Um, There were a lot of things that I just, not even that I didn't want to remember, but just because, you know, I may have done it and we moved on that I didn't even, I could, I didn't even remember about. So I'm going through these old emails. I'm going through all this stuff and I find all of this, like this treasure trove full of things. Um, I found this record that I did that I'd completely forgotten about with Jay from Ideal, who is actually Mark's son-in-law. And I don't know if anyone remembers Ideal. You should. They were a really 
you know, um, big R&B group in the 90s, early 2000s. But anyway, Jay Green of Ideal is Mark's son-in-law. And so um, in the early days, I did a record and he was in on the session and he ended up singing the hook. And I'd forgotten all about that record. There's like a whole body of work that has been unreleased. You know, beats that I got from Bedrock, beats that I got from Jason Perry, beats that I got from like, you know, all of these people who are notable names if you are maybe in the industry um, that I'd just completely forgotten about. And so anyway, <clears throat> I had found I Got the Power, which was done by S-Kid. S-Kid is a producer that I found online years ago. He's from Atlanta. He's a very talented kid. I say kid because he's like a few years younger than me. <clears throat> um, he's also the person who did, if you've been to the archive, he did publicity stunt. He did Married to the Mob. And I think he might have done something else that I'm not thinking of right now. But anyway, I had this track from Vintage called I Got the Power. And it is a sample of Snap's record, I Got the Power, from like, I don't know, late, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s which was an electronic like dance record. And the concept behind Vintage, for those of you who don't know or have never listened to it, Vintage is a mixtape that I did. The only um, official mixtape that I put out is Darlin' Bonnie um, that was full of like, the concept was like to get all these records with vintage samples. And some of them didn't have vintage, like Far From Perfect, Glamorous Bandits, didn't have... A vintage sample and the preview technically doesn't have a vintage sample either but it is like very soulful and jazzy and a throwback to a more um highly musical time in um in black american music culture um a more jazzier time you know um it reminded me of like uh jazz bands and like a very upbeat uh, Billie Holiday, Dorothy Dandridge, Joyce Bryant, you know, put me in that mind frame, like a, a modern day version of it, right? These, these black, these illustrious black jazz singers, except I was, I was rapping, obviously. But anyway, um, yeah, so the preview has all of these samples. So he sampled, I got the power, made a beat, and so I did the record. And the record was supposed to be a part of the final cut, and at the last minute I said, take it off. And the reason why was because, number one, I kind of freestyled the whole record. And I think I recorded it in one take, if I'm not mistaken. Recorded it and doubled it in one take at 519 Studios in Berkeley. And I hated it. And when I did it, I was just going through it. Because we went in, and a lot of the records on Vintage, we recorded in one night at 519. It was Tupac's birthday. I'll never forget it. And we went in there and we got them done. And then we send them to Deegan, um, Mac Adams. Hi, Deegan. Miss you, guy. Deegan is the person who mixed and mastered them. So anyways, we get this done. And I was like, I hate it. Please take it off. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I couldn't deal with it. There were like the way that I said specific things. There were words that were not. It was me being a perfectionist. But it was also me being very protective of like, how I, I wanted people to see me in a certain way. Like while I was rapping Far From Perfect, I was also still in some still in some ways in pursuit of some level of perfection. So I was like, take it off, I hate it. 
And so, and it was done. It was taken off. And now I listen back and it's like, what do you need? Now I listen back and I feel like, damn it, I should have kept it. And it, I kept listening to it on repeat. And I was like, just feeling very empowered. And it was like, okay, I can do this. I'm doing this. I'm going to power through this. I got a notepad out. I got um, my computer out and I just started powering through the work. And before I knew it, because also I thought, I, there's no way I can do a resume. There's no way I have enough. Da, 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 da. By the time I got finished, I was like 13 pages in to the resume, by the way. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like it was kind of one of those things where you lapse into a space, you do things. It's almost like you're in a trance and you come out of it and you awaken to it and you look back and you're like, holy fuck, I just did 13 you know, pages. And then I had to do like a bibliography and all these things. And so I did all those things. And it just kind of started to shift my perspective and gave me more confidence in myself and my work and what I was presenting. And it definitely backed up the notions of my proposal and all of these things. And so I felt very empowered. And I'm like, either way it goes, whether this works out or it doesn't, I think I got what I came for. Right. Which was like just this empowering moment that gives me the ability to have clarity and focus and move with strength, with confidence, centered, aligned, awakened and ready. And so it happened. And so I said, OK, well, let me just go ahead and put it out there because I'm never going to do anything else with it. It's not going on another project. It's, you know, so it's cool, but it ain't that good. <laughs> it ain't good enough to be going on something else. Plus, I don't even really sound like that anymore when I make records and I don't even write in that same kind of way. And so I was like, there's no way I could ever use it for anything else. So I said, let me just go ahead and put it out. So that was that. And so that just, you know, goes to show you never know what you have hidden in your past that can empower you, that can elevate you, that can awaken you. So don't run from yourself. Don't run from whatever you have hidden away. You know, it's treasure lying in wait in one way or another. It's going to do something for you. It's going to show you something about, about self. And so it did. So that was that. So yeah, we're underway of a reboot here. On season is inching closer and closer, which means this Girl Talk guidebook and also the guidebook post about meltdowns and major comebacks is actually an off-season interlude, um, which I'll put the glossary post in here about what an off-season interlude is. And um, we should be getting word here soon about something that is going to be the official... Um, well, actually, I don't know that. We have to discuss some things. Um, but there is something that is happening that is going to bring me back out into the world. And so my mood right now is number one, Nola Darling waiting on word of whether or not she got the Catlet grant. That's how I feel. If you don't know who Nola Darling is, watch She's Gotta Have It. Seasons one and two on... Netflix. Shout out to Spike Lee, who I don't know, but shout out to Barry Michael Cooper, who worked on the project as well. Barry, I really hope we get together this year. Um, if not, you know, our conversations will continue to flow on. Um, Barry Michael Cooper, for those of you who don't know, is the person who is the screenwriter of New Jack City, Above the Rim, and Sugar Hill. He has that Harlem trilogy. And he's done, you know, other work also. But those are the primary things that he's known for. And he's also a writer. And so we formed um, a correspondence. And he's just a, a very, very chill guy. 
really adore him. And so, um, yeah, so there's that. And then, um, oh, and we're corresponding about potential things in the future. And that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. And the other thing is my other mood would be Spice Girls in Spice World. When they, well, well, if you haven't seen it, then I don't know. Because I feel like the trailer, listen, here's the thing about Spice World. It was such a phenomenon when it came out, but it's really not that great of a movie. But nonetheless, that's my vibe right now. Every single one of the Spice Girls in Spice World. And so, yeah, that's really it, you guys. So um, check back here in the future for more Girl Talk guidebooks. The comeback is major. If you have not seen Isaac Mizrahi's 1995 fashion film, Unzipped, please watch it. The quote that I use in the beginning of this Girl Talk, or not the Girl Talk guidebook, the quote that I use in the beginning of the guidebook for meltdowns and, ma and major comebacks is by way of Andre Leon Talley, rest in peace, whom I've been a huge fan of for years. And what's so funny is like years and years and years ago, I remember tweeting, I really wish someone would create a documentary about Andre Leon Talley. And a few years ago, I, that prayer was answered. And, and there is one, The Gospel According to Andre. So watch that as well. Also pick up his book, The Chiffon Trenches. And, um, and marvel at this man. I mean, you know, he's passed now. So you didn't give him his flowers while he was here. I'm sorry for you because he was incredible. But yeah, the quote in the guidebook is from Andre Leon Talley. And he has a small part in Isaac Mizrahi's 95 Unzipped, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love fashion. I love docus, period. But fashion docus really have my heart. Um, especially fashion docus about the 90s and the, you know, fashion of the past. Um, but he says the comeback is major. I think I have a, um, let's see. I think I have a clip here. We can play it. Let's get this party started. Here we go. The comeback is major. I'll talk to you guys later. Oh, and look, my sister's FaceTiming me, so it's a perfect time to say goodbye. Love you all. Talk to you soon.